Hello. Hello. And welcome to Taming Your Inner Artist. So the eagle-eyed among you may have spotted that we named this episode Why the Hell Did We Call This Podcast Taming Your Inner Artist? And we are actually going to answer that today. We're quite excited to uh, discuss with each other why we actually did do that. But before that, we just wanted to give you some background about other people who help us create this amazing podcast. Yeah, so you may have heard our intro music, which is also going to be our outro music. And we are going to have a few little stings from that wonderful composition. So we're really, really grateful to Dr. David Revel for allowing us to use Harihara, which is one of his compositions. Um, he's allowed us to use my favourite movement. I'm, he was very specific. <laughs> movement three from Harihara. We're going to put David's website into our notes for the episode and we'll touch on how we're going to use those notes sections as well. And I also have to give big props to the person who performed what is a really difficult piece which is Dr Zane Forshi of Johns Hopkins University who you're probably going to hear on this podcast at some point as well. Wonderful so once again thank you Dave and Zane. Now following from that we should perhaps talk a little bit more about the housekeeping for the podcast so who the podcast is for again how we're going to use those notes uh, and then we obviously crack on with the main idea uh, and answer the question who the podcast is for. Yeah I think that's a really good idea so First off, who are our audience, Agatha? I think there are lots of people who can benefit from podcasts like this one. So definitely people like ourselves, so people who work in between traditional research and practice. And we're going to come back to that in-betweeny state quite soon, because that's really important, isn't it? That where, where you sit as, as a practice. And in more details, yes, definitely. In much more detail. We definitely uh, care quite a lot about practice-based um, PhD candidates, because we really involve in... Um, supporting and supervising them and, and we are aware that there's not that much support for people like that yeah so definitely that's, that's really important isn't it so it's that idea of kind of this this is a forum where we get to chat and you lucky people get to listen to us chat but I think those conversations are really useful because it, it, it kind of makes it a little bit more approachable when you hear practice as research I think a lot of people are really used to I make films or I, I write about films let's just use films just for now we're going to explore what the heck practices research covers but there, there is this place in between that isn't really served and that's what we're trying to do within yes. this podcast and it comes back to the identity of people working in in between these disciplines but i think we're jumping ahead of ourselves as always yeah but bouncing around <laughs> is good i like bouncing around me too so, get so, used to this yeah 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 who who else can we think about because it's, it's people like us um i'm i've I've practiced as research for a while and we might touch on some of the stuff that I've done, which is a bit weird and, and wacky, but, but fun nevertheless. Um, but I would say I'm still in a way quite new to practice as research. So it doesn't mean that I'm building myself up as a definitive know-it-all about it. But I think there's other people out there who are yes. still dabbling and, and getting used to the sort of the sphere and all yes. of that. Yes, I think you touched upon a really important thing. There's never really uh, the end of the learning process in that in that matter. But other people who could definitely benefit from that would be people who um, supervise, examine, uh, who peer yeah. review practice-based oh, research. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Which I have started doing and it's a different beast it's a completely it's a different completely animal. different beast yeah, yeah, yeah. yes yeah so that's maybe that's an episode in and of itself in I terms think of so god how do you approach that and i think i think i managed it but it's very it's it's not your theory it isn't 
It's a very space. different beast, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think going forward, it could be also useful for um, administrators at uh, higher education institutions, publishers, yeah. Yeah. policymakers, anyone really involved in any yeah. kind of dissemination practices for, for this kind of research. Because it's, it's one of those places of research that starts to... Putting our university hats on just for, just for a second, <laughs> they're going to come on and off Very all the time. I know, I know. Um, but, but, you know, talking about ref that's a really interesting conversation where does this material fit but also thinking about impact as well yes, absolutely Get, getting into the spirit of what are you doing with this work and how are you going to kind of monitor it absolutely. and that's important i think one thing we agreed though um, sharon is that we're not gonna make this podcast extremely academic so we're gonna want to communicate the ideas we have and support we have in a um, way which is easy to understand oh god absolutely i only just learned what <laughs> ref actually even stands for so no, we're not going to dwell no. into this world of academia. But saying that, we're going to use the notes uh, to give you access or point you to other um, docu- documents or resources which could be uh, very useful for this conversation. And uh, these resources could be a little bit more academic in, in itself. Yeah, yeah, because obviously there is a foundation of it there. Absolutely. And, and some of our contributors are, are published. They are practitioning. Absolutely. There will be links for them as well. So, Absolutely. But yeah, Agatha is completely right. We're not getting stuck in the world of academia with this. But obviously, there's elements of yes, it that and will come bases. through. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the last I think group of people um, I think this podcast will be very useful for is people who are either uh, creative practitioners and want to get into academia, which is really a, a very common um practice with yeah, a very common very journey. Much, yeah, yeah. Yes. Or traditional researchers who suddenly think, well, actually, I can use uh, my camera, my microphone or any other thing uh, to do something different with my research. Yeah. So there's there's that overlap as well, isn't it? So this, don't think that the, we're, we're setting this up as a how-to, but there will be how-to elements yes. of it. And, you know, think of us a little bit as, as your, your friends who you can sort of have an idea and hopefully we'll touch on it we might also make available uh we'll discuss this after we've actually finished doing this bit of talking <laughs> but but we would actually like if we start reaching you guys out there who are developing ideas if there's something that you want us to touch on or explore or you think you'd like to kind of come and talk to us we have an email we'll probably pop that into the notes and yes, we'd, we we'd actually love to hear from people because obviously you know this this isn't just us in a an echo chamber um talking to each other and, and not talking to anyone else we actually do want to talk to you and we want to kind of make a connection and, and you know broaden out what we understand as practices research and and maybe hopefully what you do and i think you uh, actually touched upon a really important point here again <laughs> i'm on um, fire you are. You're definitely a podcast queen. Oh, yeah. my God, I am. Um, I think it's to do with the fact why we actually started this podcast. So perhaps it's important to mention that both Sharon and I are involved in many other activities aimed at uh, creating su- support system for practice-based research. So um, we, I don't want to uh, kind of focus uh, the, this podcast on us too much, but there will be other things we'll be producing, among other. Hopefully, we're going to have a book series and there's other publications. Yeah. And, uh, there's a seminar series. So we, 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 we're not just wanting to do a podcast. We're really um, caring. We, we care very much about creating this kind of environment and network yeah. and place where people like ourselves and hopefully you uh, can feel uh, part of a community. What well, you've stolen the word community. Yeah, that was because <laughs> I, was, I was sitting thinking about that. It is about a community. It and it's, you know, 
it's it's trying to find your place in it. And we talk a little bit later about your identity, and sometimes that can come from other people in terms of you find someone who's on your wavelength and, and they're part of your community. But, you know, finding people who will just support you, talk to you, if you need it, mentor you. They're all really, really helpful things, even if it's just sort of, say, I'll, I'll bump into Agatha, I've decided to make a, uh, a documentary. She's been there, she's done that, she can give me some advice and guidance. And it, it's it's those, like, relationships that don't have to be in person. Absolutely. But, but you can start to kind of, like, develop them. And what we kind of hope is that some of the stuff we're doing, but also this podcast, because this hopefully reaches more people than what we're doing at the moment yes. except the book series is obviously going to be you know an international bestseller <laughs> ofs but that that this is a place where we can start gathering that community absolutely and absolutely. i think that's yeah. going to be great i, I really yeah. like the taming your inner artist community <laughs> but i'm going to go back to our original question because i feel like we've house kept and i feel like that's enough sweeping for today um we can always come back to it yes. with a duster okay so you, you <laughs> named this podcast. Now, I, I loved it and I stole it for this podcast in as much as I got to type it into the into the production engine. So yeah, I stole it. But you named your seminar series this. I know what I think it means. Tell me what you think it means. Yes, absolutely. Um, so it really uh, happened uh, when I was working in Colombia on my PhD project. Um, so I should mention that my background was really creative. I spent uh, many, many years working in a photography studio uh, with models and lights in in very safe environment where I could just um, do something I always thought about as a conceptual art. So I would come up with an idea and I'd had lots of time to explore and try and try again and, and really think about what I'm doing before nice. something yeah. actually came out of it. Yeah. Now, without going into too many details, my, my PhD uh, consisted of working collaboratively uh, with a group of Arwaco community in Colombia. Uh, so this is a indigenous group who make their own film, yeah. uh, film about themselves, film about films about films made about them, and so on and so forth. Now, it was really chaotic to yeah. work with them over there, and I find myself struggling many, many times with this idea of me wanting to be there and take beautiful photographs yeah. and engage in this kind of really creative uh, process. And then thinking, well, this is not the reason why I'm here. I have to get on with my research. Yeah. And I have a very, very specific reason why I have to do what I have to do. Yeah. And I started to think, well, I have to tame my inner artist to, <laughs> to work on this project. And, and this is really, this led me to, to this idea, which I'm kind of developing uh, at the moment of this hybrid identity, which I obviously borrowed from Hami Baba. And this idea that all the years of struggle for me when I didn't know whether I was a photographer, filmmaker, researcher, people called me a visual anthropologist in the past, which I'm definitely not. Okay, yeah. And I, it took me many, many years to understand that there is this space uh, which is in between these different yeah. things and it has a legitimacy of its own and it doesn't have to be in depth to one discipline or the other. Yeah, I think the story behind it is really important interesting because it, it is that struggle of and this is how I was understanding taming your inner artist is that 
it's it's that kind of creative impulse that maybe brings you to practice as research. Yes. But it's it's getting the research bit out <laughs> of the practice bit. Absolutely. And, and that's maybe the taming part, isn't yes. it? It's it's not about kind of caging your inner artist. No. It's about getting them to work alongside the Absolutely. other goal. It's and a the positive other goal. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, completely. Because it, it's that idea. I suppose when you think about that word taming, and I, I'm going to admit to you now, and I, I am probably going to be the person editing this and get to be in charge of, you know, sound effects, <laughs> it is... My fingers are itching to find a lion tamer's whip sound just whenever we actually mention uh, the name of the podcast. I won't, I promise. I will. It'll be in later. Um, but this idea of kind of kind of taking your resources and kind of thinking what you can do with your skill set, yes. how you can build it, how you can move forward, but how you can also answer maybe a question or a, a, an idea, a problem. It's very much where that taming your inner artist element comes from. I think so. I think it really brings us to the moment where we should probably ask what practice-based research is. You know, that might be helpful because we're making a lot of assumptions <laughs> with this, aren't we? And you're talking about people moving between disciplines. Yes. So go on, take it. What is practice as research? Yeah, so again, we could have uh, at least two episodes um, talking about different definitions and different ways and different terms people use when when they talk about practice-based research, but what I think we should do for the purpose of this podcast and way beyond yeah. for the for the kind of sake of uh, making sure we all have a common ground as a community. Yeah, I think that's good. Is to, is to just really focus on the essential part of it rather than yeah. just going into this nitty-gritty details. So yeah. I'm just going to say that for me, practice-based research is the work where you need to engage in practice yeah. in order to answer your research question. Yeah. Uh, basically, practice is absolutely essential for you to conduct your research. Yeah. And again, as I said, there's lots of ways and uh, subcategories, if yeah. you like, which we can go into. But I don't think it's very useful. And the reason I think it's not very useful, because it might distract you from the essence of what it actually is. Yeah. And uh, I think um, this is my understanding. And I am really um, kind of uh, feel very strongly about it, that as a community, we need to simplify things we need to make sure everyone's on the same page because otherwise we create different expectations to depending on this many definitions yes. and yeah. that creates more confusion and what we need as practice-based researchers is more uh, less confusion and more understanding yeah i think that's really true and and your your definition of practice-based research or par practice as research yeah. um which i t i tend to write yeah. if you ever see me write anything you'll see it's i've got par in there because it's a nice little shortcut um it, it is that idea of making informing a concept or theory or or, or an exploration that there is this sounds bad and you you know hopefully you understand where i'm coming from it's not about that a creative film in its own right lacks purpose it has its own purpose but thinking about the product that's being made why absolutely. it's being made how that then absolutely. informs what you're, you're actually investigating yeah. we said we're not going to make it too academic but i do want to mention one um academic i respect very much so tara brabazon in in many of her writings and and vlogs she writes about the fact, or she talks about the fact that uh, a film or any other artifact yep. cannot be a PhD, for example, if yes. we just bring it to a PhD. Yeah. It could yep. be an amazing film, yeah. but it doesn't make it a PhD. So I think this is what we're trying to say. So yeah. uh, these two things are slightly different. And that's why we're going to keep coming back to this idea of hybrid identity and in-betweenness. Yes. Just to make it really clear, no matter how great your creative practice is, 
it's fantastic. Yeah. But what we're talking about here is slightly different, and and hopefully in uh, due course is going to become more clear. Yeah, it's it's again will take us back to the the title of our podcast. It's about taming that artist. <laughs> it's about taking all your skills as a creative practitioner. If we're looking in that direction, and then bringing it to what are you researching? What are you looking at? How is this contributing? So I think that there's there's a really simple explanation of what we are using as the term practice-based research. If you're all really dying for two episodes on us debating what practice as research is, yeah, tell us and we'll, hell, we'll do it. But I think that's a really good starting point and we can all agree that's where we're starting from. I think that works really well. I think it does, yes. So, Sharon, should we talk a little bit about this? Because uh, we mentioned that so many times right now and uh, perhaps we should clarify why this idea of in-betweenness and the hybrid identity is important, why it's so difficult to, to kind of reconcile being between different disciplines. So let's just use an example of someone working. Let's use an example of uh, one of our um, PhD students without necessarily naming them. Uh, they're working in documentary. They're working in sound. Yeah. Um, are they are they sitting within sound discipline? Are they sitting within filmmaking? Are they sitting... What kind of discipline do you think they belong to? So if you're going to like make me pick one, uh-huh. I'll say sound. But it doesn't exist without the documentary element, which is the visual. And that's really important to remember, isn't it? It's, it's this particular student came to us with this concept and the concept has changed and developed to really reflect practice-based research, that there is something that is being investigated as yeah. part of it. There is a, a conceptual investigation that is attached to the actual doing of the work. Um, I would I would plump that person into sound just because that's the driving force, which is one of the most interesting things about mm. the PhD. You're looking at me and you're smiling. <laughs> so I'm going to assume there's a disagreement here. Well, Go on. It, it, it was a tricky question. I, Well, I guess what I'm trying to do here is to prove the point that with this kind of project, any kind of practice-based um, research project, we should probably give some example to our listeners about what kind of things can be done uh, within practice-based research in a second. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say that because of the fact that different disciplines have their own rules, yes, their own societies, their own expectations, their yeah. own uh, places where you would disseminate your work, yes. your own yes. terminologies. Their own expectations. Expectations of the work, general. yeah. What happens with, with many projects is people get, this is what I call this confused identity, people think they have to adhere to all these expectations. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is with different projects which sit in between different disciplines, this idea of having to respond to these different expectations will never really fit if you think that you have to respond to more than one or two disciplines because they yes. will be contra- they, yeah. they will be different they will be sometimes sitting at a stark opposite to, to each other and what we need to do as a community to make it uh, understood by everyone that's why i mentioned examiners peer reviewers yeah, before yeah, yeah, yeah. that you will not always be able to respond to all these expectations you will effectively need to pick and choose and you will be working you're responding a little bit to sound discipline, a little bit to filmmaking, a little bit to something else, and so on and so forth. So again, using my example I um, introduced when we were talking about the title, I worked Latin America, so of course I need to have some background about this, but I worked in film, but I also worked in collaborative filmmaking. I worked uh, with questions of representations, but all of the things uh, were kind of mixed in between in, in, to create something which didn't really necessarily respond to one specific discipline. And that was very difficult 
because when it came to, uh, for example, publishing any articles, yeah. I wasn't really sure if I was to publish them at the um, things related to Latin American studies societies, for example, yeah. or film societies, yeah. or maybe uh, indigenous studies, and so on and so forth. So I think it's really, really important for anyone out there who's confused about who they are and what they do and what discipline they belong to, what conferences they have to go to, what journals they have to read to, that it doesn't necessarily have to be one answer only. And there are places we'll be talking about and and communities and networks we'll be talking about and mentioning to you, which uh, accommodate for, for this idea that you don't belong to one specific discipline and it's absolutely fine. So I think for today's episode, we just want to make sure it's okay for you to feel like you don't belong. But you do. But you do. <laughs> to us and practice-based research. I think that's a really good point. I mean, for me, I, I you made me pick. So I'm going to blame you for my answer. I mean, God, flipping heck. Didn't say I could pick like loads of disciplines. But I think there's always going to be like a driving force behind the work, um, an interest, a, a starting point. But it's how that starting point develops and where you, where you take it. Because... However your PhD, just using that as an example, works, I think you you always end up looking at lots of different things. And I think one of the things with a, a practice as research PhD or work is that sometimes, so when you're, when you're doing your theory PhD, you're sort of told to narrow, 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 stop looking over there, that, oh, no, 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 no. It's actually okay to do that with a practice-based research work you will be dragged in lots of different directions and that's actually a good thing and exciting and it's exciting because you you learn these different elements and these different ideas and just because something hasn't you know originally <laughs> been connected to what you're doing it kind of doesn't mean you can't connect it to what you're I think doing that's a good thing actually. and i think that's really important to remember because it's like that that putting everything in little boxes doesn't always work and sometimes you have to chuck it all on the floor and mix it up a bit and and it's that idea of, of being open to that Absolutely. as well and, and not being scared of it and it can lead as it has in this case if we if we refer back to our sound documentary person whose name we won't say but who might come in and talk to us maybe and then we can you know say the idea of of kind of widening your network kind of starting to collaborate as part of your work does start to become quite a central Absolutely. theme. And it's quite interesting. And this is what makes this kind of work really exciting as well, because, uh, of course, with any research project, you don't really know what you're going to get when you're at the uh, stage of planning it. Yes. And that's the exciting thing. But I think it's even more uh, so in case of practice-based research, especially if you uh, kind of try to create a new way of doing things. So effectively, using, again, academic terms, you're building your methodologies, yes. which yeah. very often is at the core of practice-based research. So you're basically finding a new way to do something which is different from what other people did before. Yeah. Well, that's very much the case. That's very yeah. much the case. And it's, you know, that, that in-betweeny space. It doesn't say that, that creative practice isn't creative. It doesn't say that theory writing isn't creative. But it's that that space in between. It's that space where these all these things join together and you kind of have to find a new way of doing things. Absolutely. Whatever the thing is. And we've seen examples without, uh, again, revealing too many projects of, 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 of course, people yeah. who, 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 who talk about their project here with us and hopefully will in the future. Uh, we've seen quite a few amazing examples of uh, people working across really unexpected Disciplines again to use this word. So mixing things like fashion and politics. Yes. Uh, I don't yeah. know walking um, arts and and uh, game gaming and ceramics is yeah. one that I know of. Yeah. Um, 
these are things that, you know, if you put a ceramics person and a gaming person in a room together, probably wouldn't really feel that they had a lot in common. Absolutely. I'm, I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong, maybe they do. <laughs> but, but there's that kind of idea. But that, they do, yeah. yes. And I think, again, this is another thing we, which we might explore in one of the future episodes. But again, I personally like to think about practice-based research as a form of conceptual art. And I've mentioned that before. It is because you have this idea of what is that you explore and then you basically go wild and and do things which uh, are really um, unusual, perhaps. And sometimes you just experiment with the way to approach things. It doesn't have to be completely uh, crazy, of course, and <laughs> it's not in many cases. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that as long as you have a clear concept, which, again, in academia would call either research question or in that case, it could be a line of inquiry. Yeah, inquiry, that works. That yes, works. Uh, which is sometimes used more often in terms of practice-based research. But then how you do this? Uh, it, it's really uh, kind of entirely up to you. This is where you have the opportunity to, to be creative and really do things uh, in a different way and explore new ways of thinking about yeah. how to do things. So that's why, again, bringing this back to this, this idea of creating your own methodologies being quite popular, if you like, in terms yeah. of practice-based research. But also that, that enables you to find your space if you're creating your own methodology. It gives you something to work with, doesn't it? Yes. And I think it brings you back then to that idea of and again, we're we're kind of like looking at this from a, a little bit of a where do you then disseminate the work? How do you show it? Where's it going? What's it doing? And and we will be exploring that in another episode will, together. Yes. I think that's really that's really important. And you know, backtracking just a second, um, it's also important that we cover that because there's no assumption in this room that you are someone who is an experienced practices research practitioner that you have done tons of things and you're thinking well obviously I know where to put all this stuff not at all it's it's an emerging field I know there's books out there on it I know but the, it's still one that's developing it it's growing it's changing it's evolving and I think we don't for a second think that you already have ticked all your boxes. Not at all, not at all. And I think, you know, if you're starting out, some of the stuff that we're going to talk about is, is really important. So sort of getting to know your community, but also kind of being aware of these different ways of disseminating. Yes. It isn't just about getting it into that one journal that someone has told you is very important. No. There's, there's lots of options there. No, and I think again, the idea um, behind it all is that Again, it's not as simple. It's like the same way as we talked about the expectations when it comes to your outputs and the way to disseminate it. Yeah. It's equally confusing. Yeah. But I guess what we're trying to achieve from this first episode really is to say uh, you're not alone. Yes. Uh, if you're confused, you're in the right place. Yes, so are uh, we. We're very confused. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, there's a group of us. We are a community. And together, collectively, we really want to uh, just make sure that you, you feel fine with this in-betweenness. You feel yeah. fine with this idea of not necessarily knowing where you belong to. You belong to, as we said before, the community of practice-based researchers. Yes. And hopefully, gradually, with all the work, well, not only us, but lots of people the, are doing. Lots of people are doing, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can uh, bring more understanding for what, in terms of what we do for the community itself and yeah. beyond, more um, clarity in terms of how to manage this academic rigor and creative uh, kind of experimentation, if you like. And hopefully what this is going to create is a support system which make, will make this work uh, easier. But the first step of creating, to create this support system is to say it's fine to be confused. It's fine to feel like you don't belong to anything. This is what it is. Uh, 
uh, and there is right uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel I think that works really well. I think it is, it's about starting to find your place. Absolutely. And, it, and it's okay if your place isn't the same as the person over there. I think uh, that's the, that's that's the whole thing. Okay. Find that's your own thing. little bit of land and stand on it. And, and, you know, other people are doing the same thing. And, yeah, we'll build a community. So I think that's kind of, that's the point. Now, you'll notice, I'm just going to say, again, Agatha's looking at me. <laughs> She's thinking, oh, my God, what's she going to say now? <laughs> um, you'll notice that Agatha is sounding very professional today in as much as she is raising all of these really interesting points and these interesting topics and really kind of guiding the show. Now, the reason for this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be clear, is she has a pad with writing on it that no other human can read. And this is why she's bringing all of these points. So, Agatha, what's the next point on your list? There's no more points, Sharon. I think we're done for today. There's no more points on that list. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, I guess looking forwards a little bit, something we haven't kind of touched on, which I think is a good point to touch on right now, is kind of how these shows are going to not work, but kind of be, be each time we release I'm not going to say weekly I'm not going to say monthly I've seen her diary it's rammed so it's it's going to be about when we can get into the studio but what we sort of thought was that sometimes it would be good for us to chat over a concept or an area kind of get a feel for it kind of you'll, you'll notice Agatha is 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 um, much more experienced with the practice-based research stuff she's she's very well read she really knows her kind of her her foundations I think Sharon for this wants work. something because she's paying me lots of compliments that will come later <laughs> um she she really knows her stuff she knows the foundation she's she's really starting to be a kind of a really clear voice within the practices research community she's looking at me now with a tilty head I'm not accepting that she is I'm coming to it from a, a bit of a different angle. I've actually done practice as research, but I didn't know I was doing it at the time. So that might be a really good example of confusion. So we might talk about that at, at some point kind of down the way. So some of this is going to be me learning about some of these concepts, but also feeding in from where I'm coming from and what what my experience is. I, I think I think we, we're all learning, as we said before, and I think what we'll try to do definitely is to bring some kind of how to start thinking about even coming up with your research question. How to one of the things we'll be discussing really is what are the steps involved, which which yeah. is for for a whole episode. So what we'll try to do, we try to find the right balance between bringing guests who can talk about That's what they where do, I was going, yeah. but also deconstructing the process itself uh, in this kind of format we we had yeah. uh, for today's pod- uh, episode, where we try to really understand behind the scenes, if you like, and how to really get about it, because I think it's really important and. Again, from my perspective, it's really important that over the course of this podcast, we'll look at the whole trajectory. Yeah. So very often uh, in terms of also writings and and books and other um, workshops, if you like, people like to talk about uh, the methodologies, for example. Yeah. But I think this is they're very important, especially in this case. But I think there's lots of other things involved. So we want to look at the as if you where to come here and say, I want to do something and we will guide you from the beginning to the end. We just want to look at all the steps. Of course, that means that this podcast is going to be a very, very uh, long lift. (laughs) (laughs) Years, years long. Um, But that's that's absolutely 
like where we were going with this is that, that there'll be some chatting and I, I just wanted to contextualize because yeah Agatha doesn't want to like blow her own trumpet but I think it's important that you know you're in kind of safe hands there I'm learning as I go I'm developing my knowledge but I I have done this stuff and I do do kind of write about it and that there is there is a foundation for me here as well but that we are going to bring in people as well um other practitioners and other researchers who are working in this field to kind of share you, you should obviously realized by now that Sharon is very modest and I think she just wants my Spanish sweets I just brought from my holidays uh, but yes you are in safe hands uh, <laughs> we'll do our absolutely best we definitely as you can see are very passionate about it and we, we really enjoy it uh, and we, we, we just love to share our experiences and our confusion with you hopefully together uh, we'll we'll get some some nice answers and as Sharon said before we're looking forward to hear from you if you have any comments if you'd like to uh, write to us and uh, perhaps request specific questions. I think that's we'll, that's something we'll we can happy. start looking at. at certainly, um, we also do quite like the studio that we're in. <laughs> it's really rather nice, so it gives us a little bit of time just to chat with each other as well. It's quite nice. I think that's us for today. I think it is. All right then. From me, it's goodbye until next time. And thank you so much, Sharon. Thank you so much, everyone. And until the next time. <laughs>